Better Late Than Never, Episode 23. Happy New Year! No matter which bagel you ate, you cannot not communicate whatever story you want to relay. You cannot not communicate when you walk with a happy gay. You cannot not communicate French, German, or Hey everyone, and as you heard in my intro, Happy New Year! We are, I'm actually recording this the night that I'm releasing it. Do you believe that? Yes, I've been, I've been down Periscope for the past week or so, um, so I haven't really been recording, well, I didn't get a chance to record before tonight, and that's okay. So, this is kind of on the spot and on the fly, but there were a couple of things I wanted to mention before we get to our media review, and this week that's with Chris Lester of the Metamore City podcast, and actually there's a podcast novel debuting on the Metamore City podcast, and I'm one of the voices in it, so that's wonderful. That's not the only place you're going to be able to hear this voice of mine. I will also be on the Mr. Adventure Christmas special, which should be released very soon. And I'm also appearing in Murder at Avedon Hill by P.G. Holyfield's podcast novel. So you're going to be hearing me all over the place. But that's a good thing. So this year brings you, I'm ringing in the new year with a, as being a very happy M.A. Though right now I'm feeling a bit on the insane side because the kid turns 11 on Saturday and I decided to throw a party for him. A party with, I don't know how many people are coming yet because not everybody has let me know if they're coming or not. There's going to be kids and video games and a turkey in my apartment. Yes, I'm baking a turkey for the first time. So if you want to send me advice before before Saturday on how to cook a turkey, feel free because I've never cooked one before. Yes, and I know you have to reach into the center of it and you have to pull that little packet of stuff out of it and use that for whatever. Probably the stuffing. So, but good things have been happening in my little family lately. And one of those reasons I think you'll be meeting on a future podcast. So just things are good. I'm a happy MA. And so life is good. And it's such a change from, if you listen back a couple of shows about how tough things were, well, they've gotten better. And better is always good in my book. So what's been going on in the past two weeks with holiday craziness? Well, the we arrived. Santa did not bring the we. We have, and as you'll hear, um, Charles Caden had, you know, berated me a little bit regarding Santa. And we believe in Santa, but in our house, Santa doesn't bring the good gifts. Mommy brings the good gifts. So the Wii was unwrapped, and I have to say, both of us are having so much fun with it. Oh my goodness, having so much fun with it. He got a couple of games as well. He got Super Mario Galaxy, and he got the Zelda game. The Zelda game Twilight Princess. I have been absolutely fascinated with Zelda. I don't know whether it's the graphics. I don't know whether it's the graphics or whether it's the way the controllers are and how they found such creative ways to use that Wiimote and the nunchuck to do different things in the game. But I'm having so much fun with it. I haven't gotten further than the kid, but I'm getting there. And um, it was really funny. The first time we played Super Mario Galaxy, he wasn't reading the little screens when you talk to the people. He was just clicking through and trying to figure out what to do, and he got stuck on the first planet. And so I'm like, okay, let me try. And so we went from the beginning, and I read everything. And he's like, oh, yeah, you can just run around here, ignore the bunnies. And so I talked to the bunnies. Oh, you have to follow the bunnies while pushing A. Yes, you do need to read the stuff in the video games, and that will help you. But it was funny because they were there, and they're like going, oh, just do this. Just do this. You have to do this. You have to find the right way to do it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, talk to the bunny. <laughs> so, but we've been having a lot of fun with that. And just this past weekend, um, we received two classic controllers, which plug into the base of the Wii. And I have to say, they're perfect because 
the Nintendo 64 controller and the Game Boy controller, I never really liked them that much. I was always a fan of the old NES controller. And the Wii Classic controller is like that, but it's got the little thumb joystick thing that I love so much. So, But it's, it fits in your hand really nicely. And we downloaded Mario Kart 64 from the Virtual Console. Oh my God, that was my fa- probably one of my favorite video games ever. I used to play that for hours and I loved it. And oh, I had so much fun playing last night. So that's what we've been doing with the Wii. Um, we've also joined Gamefly and we received our first disc today, but we're not going to be opening that until the birthday because that's a birthday present. So that'll be on Saturday. I guess I'm really, I'm really amazed at how the Wii, just how much thought they put into it. It's a really elegantly designed game system. And I'm so pleased that we got one this Christmas. The other story regarding video games is that the kid has been saving up his money for a very long time to get a Nintendo DS. Now, he didn't get one for Christmas. I mean, that would have been a bit much for him to get a DS and a Wii. And since I use most of my Christmas budget for like all of Christmas on the Wii, you know, there wasn't much money left for a DS or anything like that. And I really wanted him to buy it himself. Um, just so that he would get the satisfaction of saving up his money and then using his Christmas money. And so finally, he had enough money. And so last week sometime, so between Christmas and New Year's, we went in search of a DS. Now, post-Christmas, finding a DS was not that tough, but we found one. The kid picked out the color he wanted, and he paid for it. Well, He gave me the cash, and then I paid for it using my card because that was going to be the easiest way to handle things. And so now he's the proud owner of a DS, and we haven't had a chance. Well, he's taken my DS, and he's put them beside each other so that he can download games from some of our cartridges like Elite Beat Agents, and um, he's played Mario Kart on that so that he can play them together. And he's been sitting there with both hands. And this seems to be a theme. He did that with the Wii too. He was playing tennis against himself on the Wii. And it was, it was really kind of bizarre to see. I'm going to have to take a little video of it and put it on the, the um, website because it is really hilarious. The other thing that he did, which <laughs> just makes me laugh is he was playing baseball with himself using just one controller. He would throw the ball, then he would hit the ball, and sometimes he actually got home runs. Now, I suck at Wii Sports. I completely suck at it. I can't do very much with it at all, but I'm having fun with it. I do have a little bit of Wii Elbow from playing last night, but that's okay. So that's our video gaming geeking for the week. Um, I have a feeling that we're going to be talking a lot about the Wii in the next couple of weeks because I'm just enamored with it. The kid loves it beyond all measure. He played, we've been playing on average about six hours a day on the days when we don't have to work or go anywhere, which is a lot of time, but we're also, it's split between the two of us. It's split between the two of us. So, and on the horizon, I'm going to need some advice here, guys. I need a new cell phone. My cell phone does not have much time, does not have much more life left in it. I've had it for over two years now, and it really, it's time to replace it. Uh, My contract with Verizon is up right now for both mine and my parents' phones, since I pay for my parents' phones. So I'm looking for a new cell phone. And no, I don't want an iPhone. Why? Too expensive. I can't afford one right now. I'd love one because they're really cool. But I can't afford one right now. I'm looking to spend probably no more than $200 on this phone because I also have to buy a phone for my parents. And usually what I do is I just get the easiest to deal with phone because my dad has had a cell phone for, I don't know how many years I've been paying for his cell phone, probably about four by now. And uh, he still doesn't know how to text message. Still does not know how to text message. So, but I need a phone. My requirements are, are a halfway decent camera, and I want a QWERTY keyboard. So 
All suggestions are welcome, pluses and minuses about different plans. I've been with Verizon for probably almost 15 years now. Um, if it's not 15, it's, it's very close to that. I've been with Verizon for a very long time. Let's just say that. So I don't, I wouldn't mind staying with Verizon. I'd like to keep my same number and I know you can switch them over, but I don't know if there's a cost involved with that or not. So, you know, enlighten me people. So enlighten me people. I really, really um, need some advice because I want to get a good phone that's going to last me for the next two years. And my plan is, because I also have a sidekick, which I use for internet and for text messaging and everything like that. My plan is when my when my contract runs out on my sidekick, I'm going to then get an iPhone because by then they will have upgraded it and it will be the iPhone 2.0 and so much cooler. And then I'm going to give my cell phone to the kid who at that point in time will you know, be old enough to, and responsible enough to have one. And then I'll be able to keep him and my parents in cell phones and we'll be good and I'll get to have my cool iPhone. But I need something to carry me through. But I need something to carry me through the next 18 months or so. So I'm looking right now, looking at Verizon because that's who I'm most familiar with. I'm looking at the NV right now for that. Um, actually, if it had a web browser in it, and maybe if somebody can tell me if it actually has a web browser, I was looking at one of those and it looks like there's email. I don't need email. Email's great, but I don't really need it. I would like a web browser that I would be able to go to Gmail and be able to actually respond to messages and Twitter. I have to have my Twitter and I have to be able to read it during the day. So, but that, and I want a halfway decent camera so that I can take camera phone pictures and, you know, and post them up on Flickr so you can see what I'm doing because sometimes they're very amusing. So I guess that's about it for my intro. I think I've babbled on long enough. So we're going to close this out. So we're going to um, close this out. We're going to have a promo and then we'll be back with my, where I sit down and I talk with Chris Lester of a Metamore City podcast. See you on the flip side, guys. In a world where evil supervillains run amok and corrupt superheroes care more about their hair than justice, one woman is caught in a web of manipulation. Keepsy Branson just wants to run her bar. She doesn't want to think about her old dreams of being a superhero or her tired ambitions to save the world. But the facts remain that Keepsy and her friends have powers too, and they will soon be needed as Seventh City falls into chaos. And no one knows who are the good guys and who are the bad. Playing for Keeps is a free audiobook from Mer Lafferty. Available at playingforkeepsnovel.com. And we're back with the Meteor Review. And this week, we have Chris Lester from the Metamore City Podcast. And Metamore City Podcast has a very dear spot in my heart because this was the first voice work that I ever did. And I've had so much fun playing Rebecca. And you haven't gotten a chance to hear most of it, but you will. So anyway, hi, Chris. Hey, M.A. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> How are you today? I'm doing really well. Oh. It's... Uh... Kind of calm, quiet day between, uh, you know, that whole Christmas to New Year's, you know, waiting period. This is a pretty uh, calm and reflective time of year. So just kind of chilling a little bit. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And it's actually, it's a nice break because from the excitement of Christmas and the hilarity of New Year's, or at least my mm -hmm. New Year's is usually hilarious. <laughs> so, <laughs> but today we're here to talk about the Metamore City podcast so, and from, and I've, I've gotten pretty familiar with the Metamore City world since I've been playing a character in one of your books, um, which I love. Thank you so much for giving me that chance. I've had so much fun playing Rebecca. Oh, it's been my pleasure. You've been doing a great job with her, and I'm really looking forward to everybody else getting a chance to hear what you've been doing with mm -hmm. her. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for everybody to hear this because 
Guys, if you haven't been listening to the Metamore City podcast, you have to because it's not just an audio novel. It's a bunch of short stories. And that's what I love about this world. So, Chris, can you tell us a little bit about the world of Metamore City? Okay. Well, basically, Metamore is... uh, This is an epic fantasy world that has sort of grown up Mm -hmm. into uh, the modern era. You know, there's, it's a place where magic is still prevalent. Mm -hmm. Um, People still know how to use it, but they've also learned how to use technology and they've learned how to integrate uh, their magic with their technology, which has sort of guided and uh, um, affected the evolution of both magic and tech. Mm-hmm. Okay. I always thought that was so cool because usually they have a, usually most fantasy worlds either completely eschew the technical world or they don't integrate in with it well. But I love the way that you've put everything together into this world. I think it's so cool. Well, thank you. And I love that word eschew. Major eschew. points for using eschew. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit of background about the world just for people especially that haven't been listening to the podcast because there's a bunch of different areas to it. And I'm most familiar with the Psy Collective, but there's mm-hmm. other different parts to this world. So why don't you just give us a little bit of an overview and then and you're, you're going to have to explain to me exactly what the curse is because still not clear on that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, basically about 1,300 years ago, a um, little more than that, uh, there was a dark wizard, because all epic fantasy worlds have to have dark wizards. Um, this uh, fellow by the name of Nasaj, who mm-hmm. ruled a vast empire um, in the northern reaches of the main continent of uh, where most of the stories of the Metamore world take place. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, you know, this is a guy who was looking to expand his empire into the civilized lands of the south problem was that there was a big mountain range between him and the rest of the world and the only viable pass from a military standpoint was the metamore valley which is this you know about 15 mile long pass between the northlands and the midlands now nasage tried um twice to take over metamore and was really not able to do it. There was a large castle in the center of the valley, um, which was extremely magical. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody knows who built it, uh-huh. um, but it is, it, it is pretty much guessed to be as old as the world itself. And it has a spirit that inhabits it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, basically a, a nymph-type creature by the name of Kaya. Oh, Okay. And uh, she basically was responsible for guiding and shaping what the castle looked like and providing for the needs of its inhabitants. Mm -hmm. So essentially, he would try to come down there with his armies and would try to take the castle and would be unable to penetrate its defenses Mm -hmm. um, because the wizards of Metamore were able to set up these shields that were um, repellent of any kind of destructive magic. So after a couple of unsuccessful attempts, he comes back and uh, again manages to drive Metamore's defenders back to the castle. Everybody thinks you know, that it's going to go the same way that it did the last time, that he's not going to be able to, to break the back of this fortress. But instead of using destructive magic, he uses transformation magic, oh, okay. which gets past the safeguards that have put, been put in place because nobody expected... <laughs> For him to try to use transformation magic in a military capacity. Uh huh. Sneaky little and bugger. Exactly. <laughs> so basically, he hits the uh, he and his uh, subordinates hit the castle with three spells uh, simultaneously. One of which is designed to turn people into animals, mm-hmm. um, you know, mindless beasts. Okay. Uh, one of which is designed to turn them into infants, mm-hmm. and one of which is designed to turn them into <clears throat> wanton sex slaves. <laughs> okay, there you go. Those yeah, can come in handy. <laughs> yeah, he's basically throwing everything he can at it. And, oh, okay. Uh, it's it's no mistake, no secret that. Uh, he had some help from the dark gods, the oh, danger okay. lords, mm-hmm. one of whom is uh, Suspira, the mistress of lust, who was pretty much behind the ladder of those spells. Okay. But anyway, um, you know, he throws these three different spells at 
um, metamor, and they almost successfully take hold. The metamor uh, defenders managed to realize exactly what was happening just in time to weave together a counterspell, but they were only partially successful in implementing it. So the magic of those three incoming spells mm-hmm. got mixed up with the magic of the counterspells, got mixed up with the inherent magic of the keep, which is sitting on a major magical nexus. Yes. Yeah. okay. And the end result of it was the curse, which is this incredibly complicated mishmash of magical energies that mm-hmm. pretty much spread out and covered the entire valley. Oh, okay. So the net result of this was that anybody who stayed in Metamor for too long would end up getting affected by one of the three variants of the curse pretty much randomly, as near as anyone could tell. Mm -hmm. And uh, for a long time, they were not able to uh, really do anything about the curse. You know, the people of Metamor just had to live with it, and they were sort of ostracized from the rest of society uh, because of that. Okay. Well... Fast forward about 10 years, give or take a bit, mm-hmm. and another major event happens at Metamore, which is that it serves as the point of confrontation, uh, the end point in a major, major religious conflict okay. that had been brewing for centuries between the gods of heaven and the gods of shadow. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Basically, they've you know everybody has marked Metamore as a special place because okay. you know it is pretty much as old as time, mm. rumored to have been built by the Creator Himself. Uh-huh. So these cool. you know two major forces of of light and darkness mm-hmm. have sort of you know by chance convened on Metamore as the place for this final battle. Okay. Now the gods of heaven had been working for centuries to develop a secret weapon in mm-hmm. essence that would allow them to uh remove their uh their opponents in the uh the other side of the pantheon from power to essentially drain them and leave them as uh basically little more than mortals mm-hmm. yeah and uh that secret weapon what turned out to be a young girl by the name of Mirai. She was a, a keeper, a member of the uh, the of Metamore Keep, mm-hmm. a young So that's priestess. who it is. <laughs> the mm-hmm. She's the one whose, word, whose name I couldn't say for the life of me. Yes, that's her. <laughs> yes. Um, Mirai was basically genetically engineered over the course of centuries okay. to be able to, you know, her bloodline was manipulated mm-hmm. to create a human who, with the proper infusion of divine DNA at the right time, yeah. um, would be able to channel and store divine energy. Oh, very cool. So she's like yeah. Lilu from the fifth, or whatever that was. The fifth, fifth element. element? Yes. She reminds I don't know. Me it's of been ages since I've seen that oh, movie. Oh, you have to see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basically, she was base, you know, she was bred to be this tool that they uh-huh. would use, the, the gods of heaven intended to lure the gods of shadow to Metamore okay. and provoke a final apocalyptic confrontation that would get all of them sh- to show up in one place. Uh-huh. And at which point Mirai was supposed to sucker punch them. Oh, the, okay. uh, the gods would infuse her with a, a primer of divine energy, which she would then use to basically turn on the gods of shadow and suck all of the energy out of them. Wow. Just reducing them to these, you know, physical mortal forms. Um, she did that, but then because of circumstances that they were not anticipating, she turned around and did the same thing to them. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so ba- basically having gotten fed up with the gods manipulation of human history mm-hmm. and the way that they had caused all of this misery through the, you know, using humans as proxies in their snot fight with each other. <laughs> um, she basically turned on all of them and cast them down. There and, we go. <laughs> uh, claimed to have done this at the instigation of the creator God himself. Uh-huh. Um, there are, you know, some, there's some confusion about whether she, what she actually saw was really the creator God or just a hallucination that she had because she happened to come in contact with the 
prime source of creation. Oh, and boy. It's too much for her puny brain to handle. Oops. So regardless of the exact uh, nature of what she encountered, it motivated her to do this, mm-hmm. yeah. which then caused about half the people in, you know, who had previously followed that religion to uh, condemn her as the destroyer of their faith and half of them to praise her as their savior. Mm-hmm. So, I see. Yeah. So the end result of this was that the, the gods were drastically reduced in their capabilities to manipulate human history. Oh, okay. You know, they're, they're still immortal. They're still, you know, they, they, they uh, don't age. Mm-hmm. They still have power that's, you know, on, you know, that's above the level of any, uh, master wizard, mm-hmm. but they can be killed. Oh, okay. And anyone who kills them ends up getting invested with their divine portfolio oh, because okay. they are they embody these, you know, cosmic uh, attributes of of nature that need you know it's a void that needs to be filled. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah. this gives some people an incentive to go after them. So uh-huh. we have to be more careful now. Oh, yes, definitely. Hey. <laughs> so fast forward about 1,300 years. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, the other thing is that where all that energy went, Mirai mm-hmm. um, did not keep it for herself because she had no interest in being a goddess. Oh, well, there we so go. So she, she channeled it into Metamore Keep itself. Oh, okay. Which um, ended up giving a huge power boost to Kaya. Um, the end result of this is that she was able, over the course of centuries, to use this added energy at her disposal mm-hmm. to figure out the curse and to figure out how oh, to mitigate its effects to some degree. Ah, I see. Okay. This is so, so cool. One- <laughs> You've got such a rich world here, and there's so many different ways that your stories can go, and there's so many different yeah. aspects. That's what I think. That's what I love about the whole world of Metamore. So, but we're going to fast forward years up until mm-hmm. where making a cut comes in. And I guess also Troubled Minds, because it's Troubled Minds, Troubled Minds, well, that's kind of like, I couldn't figure out where that fit in the timeline. And is that going to do any spoiling or anything? Troubled Minds takes place in uh, 1999, Christos Reckoning. Oh, okay. Which is about five years after the events of making the cut. Oh, okay. Um, all of the uh, the initial short stories that I I played for people take mm-hmm. place in that 1999, early 2000 okay. uh, time period. Mm-hmm. So we're sort of backing up a little ways to show people um, how, you know, the beginning of the story arc, now that mm-hmm. you've got the current, you know, the status quo yeah. in Metamore City on the, the cusp of the 21st century. Now I'm taking you back a few years to show you um, how certain players got into the positions where they are now. Okay. Very interesting. So why don't you tell us a little bit about making the cut, since I have a feeling that this book is going to make some waves. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, making the cut is the story of several individuals who are members of the Psy Collective, mm-hmm. which is a worldwide uh, community of telepaths. Uh-huh. Uh, basically, about 100 years ago, all of these um, people who were born with different kinds of psionic powers Uh, started to realize that there were a lot more of themselves than they thought there were. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of that is due to the the overall rising tide of magic. Uh Um, For some reason, this seems to be causing an increase in the telepathic and psionic community. Uh, I should define that psionic refers to any um, power that is uh, manifested through the mind and through the will of the individual without uh, reference to... Uh, directly drawing on magic. Oh, okay, so, so it's it's so there and there's different kinds of them. That was the thing that I kind of got from reading hmm. the story. There's different kinds of psionics. I guess that would be the proper yeah, term. Yeah, exactly. There are different the psionic disciplines, yeah. and uh, basically, what you're born with is what you have. Okay. So you eat, you know there are people who have uh, telepathy, mm-hmm. but don't have the power of telekinesis. Okay. There are people who have uh, pyrokinesis, oh, okay. uh, the ability to control heat, to control temperature, mm-hmm. um, who then don't have the psychokinesis, which is the ability to move large objects. Okay, with their um, mind. There, there are people called egoists who have the ability to psionically amplify their own bodies so that they can give themselves super hearing or super hu- superhuman strength oh, or cool. super speed for 
limited periods of time. Mm -hmm. Oh, neat. But everybody doesn't have all these powers. And Uh whatever you have, you know, because you're powerful in one area does not necessarily mean that you're powerful with another discipline. Yeah. Okay. So basically, um, you know, these humans who developed these abilities started to uh, communicate with each other mm-hmm. through the advancement of technology. They started to be able to make connections to others of their own kind. And about 100 years ago, they formed into the Psy Collective, mm-hmm. which is basically a communal, uh, communitarian sort of society um, where everybody is working for the greater good. Uh-huh. You know, everybody gets together and says, you know, what do we need in order to best serve the community and uh, then they act accordingly and the reason why this works when communism has never worked for human beings before mm-hmm. is basically because the telepathy the uh, or telepathy that these uh, people have enables them to enter what's called a gestalt which is a group mind oh, okay. where all of the memories and all of the divergent personalities come together to form a sort of super personality that is capable of analyzing all of the data that all of them have and ah. making decisions on the basis of that. Okay. Very cool. So the, uh, the story of making the cut begins with a group of young people who have, uh, they're just on the, the cusp of graduating from the creche, which is the private school uh, that the um, local hive of the collective uses to raise their children. Mm-hmm. And uh, these young people are all getting ready to start their lives as adults within the community. And in order to do so, they have to be tested to see, you know, what powers they have and Mm -hmm. how powerful they are with them Mm -hmm. so that they can figure out how best to use those abilities to serve the community. Uh And uh, one of the main characters, probably the primary protagonist of the novel is Daniel Sharabi. He was a very popular young man in the uh, Westfall Academy, which is the name of the creche. Okay. He was uh, handsome, mm-hmm. you know, athletic, you know, nice guy, good at school, just, you know, just a generally well-rounded sort of fellow. Yeah. Uh, he goes in for his testing and he has really, really crappy powers. Oh, man. <laughs> his telepathy is worse than 98% of the rest of the collective of those that have telepathy. Oh, Not everybody wow. who is in the collective has telepathy, but mm-hmm. there's definitely a caste um, separation between the people who have telepathy and the people who don't. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, he's definitely near the bottom of the barrel where power is concerned. Um, he does have one other power, which is psychic healing, but even that is sort of mediocre. Okay. Re- there's a lot of people who can do it better than he can. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's left in this situation where, you know, he had everything going for him by any human social measurement. Yeah. But for the purposes of the Psy Collective, he's next to useless. Yeah, because they don't want to breed a weaker male and risk having more weak males or more exactly. weaker children though i personally yeah. think from a biology see i used to be a biology major i think we had this conversation <laughs> but i used to be a biology major back in school and i did a lot mm-hmm. of work with genetics and microbiology and i have a problem with what they're doing but that's okay cuz it's them and but you know i agree. Well, you know i'm not <laughs> saying that what they they're doing is right yes. either oh yeah but, definitely uh, but they're you know the the uh the psy collective is a very morally complex uh, critter. Yes. And uh, it definitely, <laughs> you can see the reasons why they do everything that they do, but uh-huh. you, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that what they're doing is, is right or is even the best thing for them to be doing in the long run, but mm-hmm. it's what they believe is the best thing for them to be yes. doing. I so see. they, uh, you know, they're one of the, the drives of the Psy Collective is we figure sooner or later the humans who don't have these powers are going to come after us, mm-hmm. whether because of, of jealousy or fear or misunderstanding yeah. or just the fear of being replaced. Uh-huh. And because that is definitely the Psy Collective's agenda. They see themselves as the natural evolution of humankind, the mm-hmm. next step in humankind's uh, development. And so... It, from that viewpoint, they're basically saying sooner or later, 
the people who are not with us are going to try to prevent us from mm-hmm. the, you know, achieving our birthright. Yes. And uh, that drives them to look at everything in a very militaristic mm-hmm. sort of way of yeah. how can we breed the most powerful, most effective telepaths possible yeah. so that you know, in future generations, whenever this conflict comes, we'll be able to win. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And because of that, they look at you know, the reproductive situation and they mm-hmm. say, hmm, we have these very powerful males who are capable of having children with any number of women. Mm-hmm. We have these low-powered males who are just kind of there. And why should we be using their genetics when we know that they're going to be giving us weaker offspring that's going to work counter to our long-term goals? Yes, I know. Yeah. yeah. So that is the premise, however flawed, yeah. that they are operating yes. on. Mm-hmm. And because that makes of it that, very interesting. <laughs> yes, because let's, you know, if, if, if the uh, Psy Collective were truly a utopian society, it wouldn't be very interesting. Oh, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to set up this sort of, this sort of idealized situation where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you can see all the great things they've got going for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but look at what they have to do to get there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, well, I can't wait for it to... Um, be released because I'm actually looking forward to hearing it because I've been reading it for months and I'm actually l- mm-hmm. looking forward to hearing it with all the different voices. I like freak out every time I hear your promo because I'm like, oh, there's my voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's my voice. But it's so cool because I love having voices that have been in my head be replaced mm-hmm. by actual people. I think that's so cool and I love the way you're doing that. And I guess we should let them know that Making the Cut is a full audio drama with voices for everybody, for every yeah, single cast member, def- correct? I would, I would say that it's a full cast audio book okay. um, because it's not, it's not an audio drama like Space Casey is an okay. audio drama mm-hmm. where it's, it's, all, you know, it's all in the dialogue and the sound effects. Okay, there is some story in there as well. That's right. Right, it's, it's definitely still a narrated work, okay. but uh, all of the characters do have uh, different actors for the voices. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. And that's got to be a lot of work for you to put that together. You know, I didn't realize, you know, and on one hand, it is a little bit more work than usual. Mm-hmm. Mostly it just consists of having about five or six files open in Audacity to swap back and forth between uh-huh. them to, cut and paste together. Yeah. I mean, anytime that you're looking at doing a polished um, presentation of an audio novel, you're going to have a lot of editing involved. Yeah. The added level of complexity with the, uh, the full cast comes in making sure that everybody's audio is at the same levels. Oh, and yeah. Trying to clean up uh, messy audio as much as possible mm-hmm. so that it doesn't sound hugely different from the audio that is being used by other mm-hmm. um, other actors. Exactly. So that's the that that's where the real complexity is. That of course, and in all of the coordination of getting people to get their audio in, mm-hmm. or in the case of my local uh, actors, getting them to come into my quote unquote studio, studio. Mm-hmm. to do the uh, to do their readings. Uh-huh. It's been a lot of fun, though. This, this would not be nearly as entertaining for me uh, <laughs> if it was just me reading the book. Yeah. The fact that I have all these other people who are taking part in the project mm-hmm. and uh, basically you know, bringing life to the words that I wrote, that's a really satisfying thing for me. Oh, I, I can tell you that I am having so much fun playing Rebecca, who incidentally is Daniel's, the love of his life, basically. Right. Yes. And I like Daniel, that. <laughs> yeah, Daniel and and Rebecca um were together all through, you know, f- that pretty much they they met in uh s- as soon as they joined the crèche together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh really bonded and uh, they always assumed that they would be starting a new breeding cell mm-hmm. uh together, which you know, these are the the core social unit mm-hmm. of collective society. You yeah. have one male and one or two males, and then a group of uh, females who they are responsible for uh, bearing children with yes. on a regular rotation. Mm-hmm. So at any given time, you have 
somebody who's pregnant, somebody who's nursing, and other people in the collective or in the, the cell who are working uh, to help provide for their family. Yeah, that's a neat concept. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a, a very structured sort of polyamory yes. kind of uh, I'm I'm always interested in different kinds of social structures. Mm-hmm, I was exactly. probably inspired by Robert Heinlein's um, concept of line marriages mm-hmm. in uh, Moon and Le- the Moon is a Harsh, mi- harsh Mistress. Why oh, can't okay. I talk today? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basically, where you had these these communities where um, you had uh, this ongoing succession of people who would come into the marriage as older people would, you know, die off. Mm-hmm. And so you had a continuity of uh, this, this stable home life mm-hmm. where, they, where you gradually incorporated more people into. Yeah. Um, so that just got me thinking about other sorts of models for family beyond the standard American, you know, mom and dad and yeah. 2.5 kids set up. Yeah. I always, I, they have a, I have a special place in my heart for non-traditional families because I guess, cause I am one being a single mother, we're a non-traditional family and I have several, you know, right. I don't even know the right, left, whatever they are that tell me that my family's not a tr- My family is not a real family because there's not the traditional makeup and that just makes me angry. So I always have a soft spot in my heart for any sort of non-traditional family unit. And I happen to think that the breeding cell is a really interesting concept. It is an interesting concept, and it's definitely one that comes with its own uh, complexities. Oh, yeah. Because and you do anytime- a really good job. And guys, look for this, because he does a really good job of talking about those complexities in the book. And I was that blew me completely away. So, <laughs> Well, thank you. <laughs> But yeah, it's it, it's always interested me to think of, you know, the concept of, of tribe and, mm-hmm. yes. you know, having a very close-knit uh, social structure where, you know, the more people you add into a community, the more, you know, you, you increase the number of relationships that are going on, yes. you know, exponentially mm-hmm. and, and it greatly increases the uh, level, the, the amount of potential uh, for conflict, but also the potential for this sort of uh, synergistic effect yes. where you're, you know, it's greater than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on Better Late Than Never, Chris. I think everybody's got a good idea of what's going on in Metamore. And I mm-hmm. hope everybody that isn't listening already goes over and subscribes. And I'm going to have a link to the um, link to the podcast in the show notes. And do you, is there anything that you want to say on a send out? Hmm. Other than uh, subscribe and tell me what you think. Yes. I, I always look forward to hearing from listeners, mm-hmm. hearing from people who've, who've discovered the, sh- the, uh, the community mm-hmm. of uh, Benamore City. Uh, the other thing I would mention is that this uh, whole podcast is being distributed in a share-alike uh, Creative Commons license. Mm-hmm. So basically, I'm looking for people to help build this world. Yeah. You know, so if, oh, if so you, people can write stuff you, within the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow, I've that's fantastic. Few, <laughs> I've got a few people right now who are working on uh, short stories mm-hmm. that will be um, played in bonus episodes of the podcast. Oh, One of very them, cool. Uh, was already uh, featured a couple months ago, Nobilis. Mm-hmm. Oh. Put okay. out a, a short story that mm-hmm. was set in the world of Metamore. That's and, fantastic uh, because it is such a rich world, and there are so many different aspects to it that you could definitely get a variety of stories. That's really fantastic and so unique. I think that's one of the really cool things about new media is that you can create this fantastic, vibrant world, and then have other people come in and play in your sandbox. Yeah, exactly. I've I got started in. Uh, my writing career in mm-hmm. shared universes. Oh, okay. Um, working through mailing lists um, where oh, people okay. would set up a world. Actually, Metamore Keep, the original fantasy world mm-hmm. that all of this backstory I gave you um, mm-hmm. comes from was a shared universe, and it was not mine. Somebody oh, okay. else started it, mm-hmm. and then I basically you know, said, how is this going to look when it's projected into the future? So uh-huh. I sort of took it and ran in my own direction with it. Very cool. That's awesome. 
So, well, thank you so much for coming on Better Late Than Never. Um, and guys, we'll be back with the feedback section after a br- this break. Thanks. <laughs> On the next episode of Into the Blender, M stays out past curfew with key covering. <laughs> Jay tries to raise money for a new surfboard by selling tickets to M's date. <laughs> Just what will Chooch and Viv do when they return home to find tea stuck in the Wait, middle? wait, wait. Into the Blender isn't a sitcom? Yeah, it's a weekly podcast that explores the issues around raising a blended family in our modern age. But don't you have three bright, rambunctious boys from your previous marriages? True. And isn't Chooch a tech nerd and Viv a returning college student? I prefer the term geek, but... Yes, we're all that, but we're not some lame 70s TV family. We talk about real issues that face blended families every day. Sure, and we do media reviews and talk about other issues that affect all parents from video games and movie ratings to dividing chores, attending school functions, everything. Well, time's almost up and the spot's already paid for, so be sure to catch the next episode of Into the Blender at IntoTheBlender.com. You're my girl. And we're back for the feedback section of the show. Now, I don't have too much feedback. I have gotten, like, lots of responses over Twitter and everything, but I haven't kept track of them. But I really appreciate everybody that's been listening and been sending me email. And we have three voicemails for today and we have one email and this email is from chip at the Scotchcast, and he says ma i just listened to the latest show the interview with murr was great i am loving playing for keeps too since you mentioned all the podcasters kids having superhero names i had to share my wife and i refer to our 19 month old son as destructo lad guess what he's good at I'm not sure if this superpower makes him more of a supervillain or not. We don't really have superhero, a superhero name for our four-year-old daughter, though Drama Girl would be pretty apt. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Chip from the Scotchcast at www.thescotchcast.com. And there should be a ding there, but I don't have a bell yet. I need to get a bell. Chip, oh my gosh, Destructo Lab, you have to... Destructo Lad... Destructo Lab. There we go. We have the the importance to the name. I think you will have to watch him very closely and make sure that he doesn't turn into a supervillain because that's what us parents do, isn't it? I swear, I think I haven't come up with a superhero name for my kid, but it's going to have to have something to do with video games of the section. Well, that was our email. Thank you, Chip. Um, yeah, I still need a superhero name for Matthew. So if you've got one, you know, if you've got some good ideas, let me know. And we also have, if I can get the thing turned on, we have voicemail. Yay, voicemail makes me happy. And we like it when M.A. is happy. Okay, let's cue the voicemail. What do you mean there is no Santa? There's a Santa? Are you trying to tell me something? Yeah, there's a Santa. Santa? It's a spirit Santa. Santa. I've seen him. I met him. You there have? Is. Yes. Really? There is. And I'm not talking about the mall Santa. There is the Santa. Wow. All right, M.A. <laughs> have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays, and I will talk to, to you later. too, Bye-bye. Charles. Aw. Hey, M.A. and P.A. This is C.A. and A.Z. Just Hi. calling with my, uh, my, my, my thoughts, my ramblings, my blitherings. We like um, that. I love the revolution. Yay! We can um, call it a wee now. I have to tell you that um, I started blogging my experience with it because, hey, it gives me something to write about. It oh, is yeah. fiction, and my fiction is starting to really frustrate me. Ah, you're so on I'm my blog lines, non-fiction. dude. Um, let's see. The, the, the only thing I can say about Gamefly so far is good service, a little slower than Netflix yeah. is, and do not, rent, do not bother renting... Game party. Okay. Just, just don't click. Don't, Stay don't away. click that rent in link. Stay away. Um, danger, danger, Will Robinson. Danger. System. Uh, one uh, point five would be a nunchuck. Uh huh. And uh, uh, a perfect score would be four nun, four wee trollers and nunchucks. <laughs> so you can 
and the week the week got a three point uh, got a three point five with three win three wee trollers and nunchucks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow, game party almost got a nunchuck, no wee troller. Oh. The, the only reason it, a zero or zero rating would have been a game that didn't even work. Ah, oh, this is true. This one barely worked. Mm-hmm. Um, so it got one wee troller. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Other than that, you know, if you wanted to read my full reviews and write ups on the wee and my other blitherings. As I said, you're in my blog lines. First time I blogged in in 18 months. Woo-hoo. So, uh, I really like the Wii. Oh, uh, yeah. That's at abusethemuse.blogspot.com, mm-hmm. or you can get to it at casizemore.com. And it'll be if in the show notes. One, keep it up, and keep it geeky, because geeky chips are hot. Heep. Oh, and by the way, your third wave power, bake me. <laughs> um, I don't know what my third wave power would be. It would probably have to do something with dogs, because I have to tell you, I love dogs. Dogs love me. I don't know what it is. You have a good one. Keep it up. Later. Bye. Bye. Hey, M.A., this is Chooch from Into the Blender. I love your podcast. Dave and I had so much fun doing the Hey, Want to Watch a Movie with you and Christiane and everyone else the other night. Oh, that was fun. I can't wait to do another one. Oh, yes. Hope we can talk them into doing Better Off Dead because I think that would be Yes. I just wanted to send a quick message and wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's, and a wonderful 2008. The same to you guys. I've had such a great time getting to know you through Twitter and your podcast Mm -hmm. and all of the various other social networks out there. Oh, yeah. I really look forward to much collaboration and good times in the future. Can't wait for Balticon. Oh, I know. Woohoo! So keep up the great work and we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Chooch. That was awesome. Into the Blender, as you see, I played the promo earlier in the show. That it has to be one of my new favorite shows. I love Viv and Chooch so much. And I'm actually hoping that we can get together and meet up sometime soon. So that's it. Episode 23 is done. So we have to do the normal outro stuff. If you would like to send me an email, you can send email at mainthepa at gmail.com. You can leave a comment at the website, and I th- I'm getting comment spam, so I put it on moderation. So if your comment doesn't show up, don't worry. I will get an email saying that you I've gotten your comment, and then I will take it off moderation as long as you're not somebody trying to pawn off WoW Gold or EverQuest Gold or whatever gold on me. That's not the kind of gold that I want, people. Let me tell you. So you can leave the website, and if you're coming here from somewhere else, you can get, you can find the comments and the website at www.bl8tn.net. And if you want to send me a voicemail and make me very, very happy, you can send me voicemail at 206-338-3942. As usual, the intro and outro music is by Peanut Butter and Julie. We'd like to keep things in the family here. And I guess that's it. I'll talk to you in two. Bye, guys.